Hello, hello. This is Reality of Reality. I'm Aliza Rosen, a longtime TV producer and development executive. Every week on the podcast, I talk to interesting people in all aspects of unscripted content. Okay, so before I introduce the guest, I want to ask you guys a quick favor. I promise it will only take a minute. If you can please go to iTunes, give me a five-star rating, a short, short review, glowing, of course, would be preferable. I would really appreciate it. Today on the podcast, an old and dear friend of mine, producer extraordinaire Beth Greenwald. Beth and I met many years back. She was the VP of development at the E! Network. She's had really interesting jobs before that and after that. We get into all of it. Trust me, we cover a lot. Beth's now an independent producer who's hustled really hard to get her new series on the air. So it's not ironic at all that it's called Hustle and it's airing on Viceland right now. You can check it out on Viceland or on demand. It's all about pursuing your dream and making things happen, which is what Beth personifies. All right, we're going to do this. Let's go. You ready? I'm so ready. <laughs> I'm here with Beth Greenwald at her house in Venice. Hi, Lisa. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming over. This is the first time I've been here. We've known each other a long time. <laughs> I've heard about it. It's the first time I met your fiance. That's true. People don't think she exists <laughs> because she doesn't go out that much. Yeah. And it's like you have the same name. You look alike. It's just, it's it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a, it's a, it's a whole lot to live with. <laughs> you, you part, the you part is a whole lot to live with. I mean, <laughs> I'm a lot to live with. I, I thought I was easy, but apparently not. That's what they're telling you. So I always say by saying uh, how I know my guest. So you and I met, um, I don't know exactly what year. I want to say it's like 2008 around-ish there. I would say roughly around then. Maybe when did you start at E? Maybe you've been there like a year. Um, that's a really good question. I feel like I was at E in 2007. So it was, that's about right. About 2008, you and Jason Salarnas. By the way, I realized that we're completing the trifecta because it's like, I think of you, Jason, and Drew as a triangle. And as a big gay triangle? <laughs> the big gay tri- my, my big gay tri- triangle. I, I hope they're out. I don't want to out them on this podcast. Oh my God, they're not. Um, so <laughs> Jason, uh, Salarnas and Drew Tappan and I have interviewed both of them so far, but I have not interviewed you. So now we've completed the, well, we will complete the trifecta if we make it through this interview. <laughs> yeah. We've got, we've got like an hour. I don't yeah. know. It's touch and go. It's like a lazy Saturday. So we're both a little chill. Um, so we met when you were at E, you and Jason bought a show from me, which was super fun. And the secret lives of the... Secret Lives of the Upper East. Wait, MD Wives was what we brought it in with. And then you guys named it the the Plastic Lives of the Upper East Side. Yeah. We was, were so ahead of our time, right? We were so, that show now hit. I agree. Always. And always, spinoffs. Oh, exactly. If only you guys, we could go turn back time and do it again. It was fun. Oh. It was fun. I remember we had a storyline of, um, one of the wives bringing their daughter to like get a makeover and the daughter was miserable. And I remember you saying on the phone, I don't know why I remember this. You said, this was my mother. This was me and my mother, my entire childhood. <laughs> I, I just remember like going to get a haircut or something or going clothes shopping and it just being pure, pure, pure torture. Yeah. But you're very close with your parents as, as far as Facebook knows. Oh, I mean, I adore them. Like yeah. crazy close. Yeah. Super, super close. Um, with my, with my parents, they are so nice. Yeah. They're, when I was in New York um, for a few months, I would go to my mom's to do my laundry. Aw, and they're and in to, Jersey? 
No, they're both in Manhattan. Oh, they are? But you grew up in Jersey. I grew up in Jersey. Right, okay. And then my dad, when they um, got divorced, my dad moved into the city. And then my mom lived in New Jersey. And um, when I'd left and, you know, grown up and left the house, and she's like, I want to live in New York. I'm like, well, wouldn't that have been easier when I was a child to you guys being in the same state? But just passive aggressive on my part. So yeah, they both live in the city. <laughs> and you used to be able from her apartment building to see my father's Stop. balcony. Oh, they were like Mia and Woody. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And like literally from her balcony, if you looked, she was 85th and second, he was 77th in New York, but you could, she was on the 31st floor. I could see his balcony. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. Did they get along? Oh yeah. They still, still get along. They still get along. That's so nice. And yeah. your dad's like getting high and hanging out. Like he seems like a very he's, cool dude. <laughs> he's probably stoned in Aspen right now. I'm not even going to like, he's in Colorado for two months and like he usually will send me pictures of like a bag of gummy bears or like some sort of gummy weed item. I love it. I love it. And you have a couple of brothers too. I have, um, yeah, I've got uh, two older brothers who are pretty epic too. Uh, <laughs> they're really good. I, I don't know. They're just... In my core, there's not a lot of drama. Yeah, you're a good person. You're, I mean, I know it sounds so cheesy, but you are. You're a good person. Like you're one of those people. Whenever I turn to for a favor, or advice, or whatever it is, like you're just you're good people, and that comes from good families. Oh, thanks. You're gonna ruin this hard <laughs> veneer I've been working years on. Ah, come on. <laughs> Everyone who knows. I mean, you can. Yeah, you can be a tough ass, but you, but you got a good heart. You got a good heart. But and you're, but you're. It's funny. Your show that's coming out. I'm so excited to talk about it. It's called Hustle, and I think of you as a hustler. So it's kind of ironic that this is your like big debut as an independent producer, like right? I mean, it is. It's a. It's a weird. Uh, it's weird on so many levels because it's. It started with some conversations with someone who, uh, a guy named Derek Evans, who I've known for years. He's Marcus Samuelson's producing partner. I was wondering the Marcus connection. So. Derek and I have known each other. We worked in features together a while back. And you started in features. I started on, uh, yeah, I started working at ICM in motion picture lit as an assistant and then went on to work for, um, uh, was Caravan that turned into his uh, Spyglass. And oh, wow. I was an assistant there in development and a coordinator. And like they paid so little that I would script read on the side for um, Interscope and they used to do movies. Did you think that you wanted to go into movies? I just knew I wanted to tell stories. Yeah. Um, but the thing that always got me about the feature side of the business is the amount of time it took to get anything oh, made. I know. We think TV is bad. Uh, it's, it, it, you know, and so. And was that here in LA? Yeah. I yeah. came out, I came out here to go to college and I had some internships. One was at Avnet Kerner. They did oh, fried yeah. green tomatoes and. Uh, Avnet's a huge producer. Yeah. M. Night Shyamalan, Six Sense. And then from there, um, I got a job. Uh, I worked for uh, a wealthy man, had a wife who needed it. She had an independent production company. And an interesting story about that is when I worked there, it was like, it's just not really doing anything. But I uh, got a query letter from a writer who was living in Littleton, Colorado. And I was like, oh, this sounds interesting. I'll reach out, like whatever. And she sent me a script that she wrote that I really loved. And I said, can I just, no deal. I was like, can I try to do something with this? And I started sending it out and I sent it out to... Danny DeVito's company and I sent it to Drew Barrymore and I sent and got really great feedback um, on the writer. But, you know, like, you know, the script needs work, but I really like this writer. Cut to years later, she wrote 10 Things I Hate About You. Wait, what's her name? Karen McCullough Lutz. Wow. Actually, Karen McCullough now. Does she say, like, I knew you what, like... Uh, We're Facebook friends yeah. and, and everything. So cool. Keep in touch. And she has a, a writing partner, um, uh, Kristen Smith. And they run, I think they did Bunny House and... Oh, wow. Uh, so that like validates your eye for talent. 
Yeah, it was. It was. It's fun. You know, it was fun yeah. to find find people in those moments. Did that movie that you were championing go anywhere? Uh, no, it's not. It's one of her scripts that I actually still go back to, and I was just like, it's. I think it's a great. It was probably a great writing sample, but like, she ended up writing on bigger concepts. This was kind of like a small indie. You know, it was like a big, a big chill of sorts. Oh, maybe it'll be her uh, rosebud. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. But I did, I worked, so I did that. I worked for the independent, you know, person. And through her, I met someone who worked at an agency um, who's a, an assistant to uh, Robert Newman, who's a big feature film, uh, repped a lot of big feature film directors. And so she's like, why don't you come work at the agency? I'm like, I don't want to be an agent. <laughs> And she's like, no, you just learn so much. And then I was an assistant for an agent at Motion Picture, uh, Motion Picture Lit at ICM. That's so funny. I th- wait, um, Kevin Bartell. Oh, maybe at CAA. He was in the exact same department. I think at CAA. It's such great training, even if you go nowhere with it, right? Oh, I, I remember getting a tour of the building, thinking I wasn't going to last a week. <laughs> I, I was like, there, like it was me and three people getting a tour, and I was like, oh, because it was just scary. It was intimidating, but yeah. I will say. I learned more in that one, one and a half years or one year that I spent at the agency than I did in, in my college. Did, yeah, seriously. Did, and it was a lot cheaper. Do you think that, um, did you think when you were working there that you might end up in film? Um, I still, I don't, you know, anything that involves telling a story, if I can find a story in the right venue for it, I won't. Right. I'm still, I don't look at it anymore of like, oh, I'm just going to be TV. Not now, but I'm wondering back then. Back then I wanted to make movies. Yeah. Um, you know, I really, really did. Um, but again, it just goes to that amount of time it took to get something done. And, and, and back then too, it was like so many, remember the agency wars? Like, yeah, I remember there was a mass exodus from ICM and that at the time, I think it was Endeavor sent gift baskets over with life preservers to the remaining <gasps> motion picture lit department. I think I heard that story. Yeah, like the ship, the ship is sinking, yeah. so put on these life jackets. Like, wow. So, so that was the days when Millie, William Morris was still William Morris before Endeavor. Yeah, and I think it was just getting, they were getting closer to, to merging, but it was just a, uh, it was like a mass exodus. It was like Dave Worshafter and all these people left to go to WM, to William Morris. And then Endeavor was like on the sidelines going like, here's your life jackets. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like that doesn't go on as much anymore. It no. doesn't matter as much. No. In my mind, I always felt like the agencies were like West Side Story. That's when you're funny. a jet, you're yeah. a jet. <laughs> totally. That could be a really funny spoof, actually. Okay. So we will get back to the Derek Evans of it all. Yes. We're, we're, we're going to close the circle in a minute. So then after ICM, what happened after that? After ICM, I went and ran um, the story department at Showtime. Oh, right, right, right. How That's a big job. You know what it was? It was it was like, you know, you had a revolving door of um, readers and tons of content coming in and you, you'd supervise all these script readers. And at the same time, then you would also try to bring stuff in. And that was, I worked with an amazing group of people that are all still out there in the business. Um, you know, Jerry Offsay was running the network at the time, and Gary Levine was just coming in, and Perlina Bokway, and oh yeah, Dominique Telson, yeah. and Deb Spera, and Joan Borstein. I mean, you had all these amazing, amazing, amazing um, mentors just surrounding you. I was, was going to ask, did any of them become sort of like the mentor? Yeah, Perlina Bokway. She's. I met with her once at Showtime. She's amazing, and she went to NBC. She's, uh, she's, she's, still she's running the studio. Right. Incredible. Um, she's fantastic. She would call me grasshopper and I would call her Yoda. Why um, are you grasshopper? 
Cause it's like from that, you know, called grasshopper, and oh. the, you know, and I'd be like, yes, Yoda, like whatever she had to say, you know, she was, Aww. she was, I remember sitting with her and, and, and she was pitching ideas, you know, we're trying to home grow ideas rather than wait for producers to bring them in the door. And I remember she was toying with this notion of like a, like a redemptive serial killer. I, I was just going to say, and let me guess this board Dexter. I mean, she, she was developing a lot of things from, wow. from scratch before landing on Dexter. But oh, I always thought that the guy, I can't remember his name, came in with that. I feel like it was, I feel like it was Collab, reverse, right? but either which way okay. she was, she was hunting it down <laughs> and we had two scripts in development in the arena. Um, but I, I had left Showtime at that point when she finally kind of landed on something. I mean, that show. Wow. It was amazing. Yeah. Like, and, and she's gone on to when she was on the networks cause she went over to NBC yeah. Um, she, this is us. And like, I mean, right. just too many other uh, blacklist, too many shows to list, but she's, she's still somebody that, um, I reach out to from time to time when I need some guidance and wisdom. Yeah. I don't, I think people, I don't know if this is true or not, but it feels like people underestimate the importance of a mentor because I know for myself, it's so vital. I love mentoring. I love having a mentor. Like it's, we all need one. Like I don't care what you're doing or how successful you think you are. Oh, on on the on the unscripted side, because Perlina is um, scripted and did work with me on some of the unscripted stuff I did at Showtime. But on the unscripted side, I did a um, internship when I was 19 at Stone Stanley Productions. Really? Yes. And Heidi Kane Friedman to this day, um, who's the EIC, you know, and in, in charge of all the productions, when when I started to work on my own, I, I talked me off the ledge on multiple occasions and still does to this day. And is, is another, another person on my, wow. on my mentor, you know, one from 19 and now you're like 19. 62. That's amazing. 75. Okay. Sorry. Just, you look good. I just look damn good. <laughs> you look really good. That's what I'm starting telling people. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's, and it's really fun to be a mentor. I mean, I'm sure you mentor people. Like it's a really fun thing. I try. I mean, especially now when you have a lot of younger people on your cruise and stuff and you say to them like, what do you, what do you ultimately want to do? I want to develop or I'm writing or I'm going to shoot something. And so you try to help, you know, where you can. Yeah. I feel like now there's so much more of an opportunity, like, as opposed to, you know, we had to kind of work in the system when we were younger and now it's just like, oh, you want to go make that? You want to go do that? You can, I mean, obviously you need some resources, but you can still go do it and it probably will get seen or you can figure out a way to get it seen. It's just different. Yeah. I mean, I think I've Skyped, you know, in the last year, like 80 people and then just learned the bare basics, how to cut. And I've cut Skype sizzles, you know, left and right, just for stuff that's more character based. It doesn't cost you anything. And I think the price of the, the Skype record is, you know, 1995 and then learning how to get most computers come with the what is it? Final, iMovie or yeah, yeah, iMovie or Final Cut, whatever yeah. it is. And then you just cut it. And if the characters are loud enough, it's like I've walked around with self-made, you know, sizzles like that. Yeah. It's kind of amazing. It's awesome and also sucks because then the competition is so much deeper because anyone could do it. But it's also great because it's just easier. It is. But the one thing that I do, you know, is finding those characters, you know, out of 80 Skypes, maybe two of them I've actually cut and pitched. I think the one thing that 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 could be worked on. I think it's great. The mandates to hire more females on crews and to, you know, have, have different representations on, on our, in our offices, on our set. But I still do think that the majority of first look and pod deals, um, are with men. And I think there's a, a shortage of that for women right now. Yeah, I agree. I don't, do you know what Abby Greensfelder is up to? 
No, know, I know she, that she yeah, no Abby and I know um she left Half Yard. Well, yeah, so she's still involved in Half Yard, but she's she saw this sort of it's kind of exactly what you're saying, this lack of, you know, female not just female run companies, but also female content creators getting the support of female companies and directors and producers and all those kind of people. So it's almost like, can I start a fund or can I do something to help support not just women making this stuff, but also telling women's stories and that kind of thing. So I was really excited to hear about that. I feel like we need more of that. And it's also also culturally such a good time in terms of what's going on in the bigger picture and in Hollywood. Yeah, without a doubt. It's amazing because, I mean, she's got a tremendous track record and, and, and on top of that is a really great person. Um, so to hear that she's doing that's kind of amazing yeah. and much needed. I think we all see it across the board. Okay, so where where are we in the chronology? I'm now I'm all tripped up. We're at we're talking showtime. about mentors. You left Showtime. Show, I left Showtime. Um, I I was at Show. I mean, but Showtime was a before we leave Showtime. Showtime was amazing because it in in the beginning I was intimidated by the president of the network. I would like hide behind a tree if he was walking into an elevator, and I was supposed to be like I would just wait for him because I was so scared. But eventually. The ice broke, and and the great thing about Showtime is they didn't care where ideas came from. A good idea was a good idea, and so I would be running the story department, but I'd also bring in stuff, um, books and scripts, and you know. And I had this one book that I kept trying to bring up. It was about someone who's suffering from depression, and and every week it became a running joke. Well, we're gonna get to it next week, you know. Oh, so uplifting. We can't wait to read it. And and weeks went by and it came up on the development report. Um, and I was responsible for that report. So I always made sure it was on there despite, you know, That's this awesome. constant shutdown. And we, that week we, we go through all the pro, you know, pro, uh, projects that were on the slate and we got to this book again and, and, uh, I was getting ready for the jokes in the room and, uh, they're like, nah, we're going to read it. And I go, actually, you don't need to, uh, HBO bought it. And they go, really? And I go, no, but wouldn't that be something? <laughs> That's amazing. Look at you. They read it next week and they passed and then Tobey Maguire optioned it. Did it get made? No. What was it? Um, it was a book called Electro Boy. And it was about a kid who got electroshock about a, therapy? No, manic depressive, like, you know, someone who was like just living by their means in New York who's suffering from like bipolar. Wow. It was like a crazy story, like impersonated this, embezzled from that. Like, really? That I feel like thing. that's so could get made now. That's why I didn't say the title originally. Right. <laughs> oh, you hear your producers? Um, and I could see Toby Maguire. That makes sense. I mean, I don't know if he was going to play the kid, but there was there was a lot of moments like that, and for different reasons, projects yeah. they passed on. I remember reading um, a script for uh, a small film, you know, called "The Perks of Being a Wallflower," and that got made. You know, Years later, you know, or a, a script about uh, you know um, HIV drugs being sold underground. Well, that was Dallas, Dallas Buyers, Buyers Club. I heard that story was knocking around like fifteen years or something. Oh yeah, there's I, I'm not the only yeah. former network exec right. who could tell that tale of wanted to making that one. Yeah, and, and just well, it is. I mean, not to sound so cliche, but it really like the lesson there is you know if you really believe in something, don't give up. I mean, sometimes you have to know when to kill your babies, but. For the most part, if you've got that one thing that just will always be the one thing that, you know, and, and not to be stupid about it, like you have to make sure it's commercial. You have to make sure it, it you know, it's uh, more than one person wants to see it. Like, it's not like it's your art that nobody else cares. But if you really think like there's no reason this shouldn't be in the world, don't give up. 
Yeah, hold on to it. It might take some time, but I think eventually everything comes back around. I, I, well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure you have those stories too. Like, uh, you know, da, da, da. we all, I mean, we all do, by the way, I mean, I think yeah. you, if you found the right people again, you know, plastic lives <laughs> of the Upper East Side, I think it would that's be what a, we're really talking about right now. <laughs> and I feel like it's, it's ready. I feel like that tape would still today play. I, I agree. I agree. All right. Moving on. We have to move okay. on. Um, okay. So we're now, then you go to MTV, right? Yeah. I, so I left Showtime. Um, that's a massive sort of you know, departure, right? Well, they were both Viacom companies. Oh, right, and, of course. And I'd never quit a job before in in my life. And I told Perlina what was going on and why, because I just felt, you know, it was time for change. And and also there were shifts going to be happening at Showtime. You know, Jerry Offset was going to leave. And I, you know, um, and so I had to quit like twice. They sent me back to my office to think about it. And, um, but I knew that um, I'd met Fernando Hernandez who worked at MTV and, um, was just really excited about going over there. Um, and so I joined West Coast Development at MTV um, right out of the leaving Showtime. So was Drew there? Is that how you guys knew each other? Well, Drew was in a different division. So it was very, that time MTV was like, there were so many different divisions, even though right. we were one network. Right. There was, you know, news and docs. There was music talent. Yep. There was, so in Los Angeles, there was uh, John Miller's division oh, yeah. and Lois Curran's division. So I was in Lois Kern's uh, division and Drew was in John, uh, Miller's. John Miller's. Okay. Uh, so how did, so you guys never worked in the same department? Eventually uh, John left the network and it merged into one West Coast kind of development pod. Got it. And that's when I really got to know Drew. Okay. You know, you ended up, I don't, I'm sure you don't remember this, but you introduced me to Drew. Um, he had just started at A&E and we were in the train station in DC coming back from real screen. You were like, you don't know Drew Tappen? <laughs> it's, I mean, cause everyone knows Drew and Drew, I gotta say to, to everybody. I mean, Drew is just the, he is just like the mother hen of our, of our work. Like if you have a problem or you're feeling down or you're confused, I mean, I, I've had Drew rewrite paragraphs for me like <laughs> in decks cause I'm stuck on something. He's like, let me take a look, honey. After watching like 40 cuts of Jersey and Floribama and Snoop and Mar, I mean, he is just fantastic. So when you meet really good people, yeah. you want them to meet the really good people um, yeah, cause we just, we're all just trying to do it. You know, it's, it's not, uh, we're not against each other. You know, you, right. I, I root on my friend's success. You know, I'm a huge fan of like a lot of stuff out there. So you just want everyone to do well. Yeah. And I think like you're a good example of someone who can be competitive and also be a cheerleader. Cause I feel like some people don't think you can do both and you can. I mean, listen, it's a competitive marketplace, but it's not, it's not us against each other in any real capacity, you know? I think everyone thought with all these different platforms that there'd be more availability, but what's happening is, is, you know, it's stuff coming from other countries. It's not need, needing to be remade. Um, you know, X, Y, and Z is dipping their toes into scripted now. So it's not where before they were primarily a reality based network. Well, they've just had great success doing this mini series, you know? Um, so I think it's, it's, it, it ebbs and it flows. But the thing is, is like, he, he, they're not taking money out of my mouth. If they come out with a great concept, you want it to be a hit, especially for your friends. And, and you hope that it opens more doors for other content that maybe is in the same vein or similar vein. But for us, it's, you know, to keep factual or reality or whatever you want to call it alive, you know, th there needs to be success. Otherwise they'll start phasing it out. So yeah, I want everyone to do well. Yeah. Well, I like hearing that. So what was your greatest accomplishment at, at MTV? I mean, 
it was a blessing and a curse because right out of the gate, one of the first things I bought um, in the first batch of shows, I ended up developing three or four things. And one of the first things was Pimp My Ride. Oh my God. Yeah. So it came in, I met with um, the creators of the show when I was at Showtime. Rick Hurwitz um, came in. Um, and so ultimately, um, I met with them at Showtime. And when I started MTV, when you start a new job, you're like sitting there and you're like sharpening your pencils. Yeah, yeah. And Who like, do I know? Who yeah, do I know? You're like reading the trades. Right. At this time, we had paper trades. And, you know, that's hilarious. And I was like, I'm just going to call producers that I met with that I liked and see. So he hadn't pitched you that show at Showtime. You would just, he pitched you something else. I don't think he pitched that to me at Showtime. Okay. I think they talked about a couple other ideas. And then they came in with, um, it wasn't even a deck. It was, I think I still have the one sheet somewhere. It was wow. a one sheet. Oh, the good old days. It was fantastic. You could just buy something from paper. But it was, I think, three paragraphs. And the original concept was you're a huge fan of Shaquille O'Neal or like LeBron. We make your car over to be like a shrine to that person. So it would be blinged out in like, you know, Lakers colors and it would have Lakers seats and all this stuff. Um, and we kind of, it kind of morphed from there, um, you know, not to make it so specific. And we didn't have a garage and we didn't have a host. And so while the guys were out trying to find us a garage, um, we basically, they, they found Exhibit waiting for his car at one of the shops that we were looking at. And he was funny and they were like, called so me So he back. wasn't a thing back then? Like he wasn't known? Was Well, this is full circle. So what happened was, is it, it, I, he had done something for Showtime for oh, Perlina. So funny. And meanwhile, I was Googling like E-X-H-I-B-I-T. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. That's so I, I was like, oh, exhibit? Oh. And then, and <laughs> exhibit then they're like, a? no, X-I-Z. Right. I was like, oh. Got um, it. The other fun thing about that show was, is that MTV passed on it when I initially pitched it up the ladder. And, you know, and I try, I wanted to do it so bad because my history is in the car. My grandfather came to this country and worked in the automotive business Get out. and then worked in tubing tires and then did wholesale tires. And, and my father, um, has been 52 years in the tire business. Oh my so God. it was like a little personal. And my first car was a puke Brown rabbit convertible with a white top that like Stop. literally died night one. The alternator <laughs> kept draining the battery and I just kept fixing it. But like, it was like, so I was right. like, I, had a car, car making over crappy yeah. cars for kids. Like th they resonated. So MTV, why did they pass the first time? You, I mean, you think about MTV the day and it was music and rock and all this stuff. It's like, why would you think like cars? And we had, um, I had, we were at an offsite and they said kids were into video games, prescription drugs <laughs> and cars. Some things never change. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, kids want to play video games. It's, you know, I don't think they want to watch a video game about kids playing a game. And it, mm, no, I'm you like, weren't ahead of your time there. No, I wasn't. <laughs> but like it's even the Fortnites, it's all different now. Yeah, it's not yeah. what we were developing then. It was like, well, right. we'll have two kids playing a game and who gets the highest score. Right, I'm like, I don't right. think that's going to be. Yeah. yeah. Like, and then they get a prize <laughs> Then a band plays. Um, so prescription drugs, I mean, who doesn't love them, but there's no show there <laughs> except for, you know, intervention, which right, is right. fantastic. Exactly. <laughs> that came later. Yeah. I tried to get on that one. Um, and then the tuner marketplace. And so I asked research to pull all the information they had on the tuner marketplace. And I revisited it because I was so new that I wasn't scared to, to be like, why are you still talking about this? Or why are you bringing this up again? Right. Right. And at that time, um, you know. It, it, it warmed on the decision makers. So it hadn't, the original sizzle had, or it was no sizzle. The so then did you give them a pilot or? Yeah, we shot a pilot. And then did you focus test it? 
Yes, we did. And it did great. It wasn't, it, it did, it did really good. I remember, but those focus tests, you know, you're standing behind a glass wall oh, and like I mean, these people who are, and they wanted, uh, they, they brought up like, they made some valid points, which did shape the development. Cause it was like, we did this, you know, Hey, he's picking up his car tomorrow. We got to hurry up. And people were like, why? Like, <laughs> there's like, no reason. Can't right? you tell him to pick up his car on Thursday? And we're like, thanks <laughs> you us, Timmy <laughs> from Pacoima. Good, good thought, Timmy. Um, so that's why you can't pay people to, to give opinions. I mean, but it, we, it, we, I mean, he it, wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. It was yeah. like, we're, we're suddenly like, okay, we've got two hours, two hours. And they're like, why? And I was like, okay, good point. And then. Don't you know it's our ticking clock? I know. I was trying to build stakes, but can't we be like, oh, the frame is cracked. What are we going to do? Well, right. <laughs> um, but, but ultimately, um, but, but ultimately, you know, uh, it did well that we got, we got ordered. And I remember I was so new because I'd been working in scripted and documentary up in this point, my whole career at that point had been. So I remember getting like a rough cut of the show and thinking, Oh my God, it looks like it was shot like on a camcorder. I was like so upset. And I, I, but I was like trying to play it cool. So I like pulled in Fernando and I was like, Hey, like, does this look right to you? The quality. And he's like, well, you know, it hasn't been color corrected yet. I'm like, Oh yes, of course, of of course it it hadn't been. (laughs) Yes. I knew that. But otherwise it looks, looks good to you. And I was like, I, Right. So MTV on some levels was a giant paid internship. Right. <laughs> right. Swear to God. Right. I, I look, I refer to it like that constantly because it was completely different than anything you had learned. Up yeah. Until I mean, I, I knew a good concept and a new, a good idea. Um, you know, we were doing campus cops at the same time. Oh, fun. But it was during Janet Jackson thing. So we, you know, we'd gotten on one campus and that was that, um, I did a, did a show with Jay, Jay McGraw, Phil McGraw's son about, you know, getting your college graduates off their couch kind of thing, like a motivational thing. And then did a, something that was like a mystery science theater thing called channel surfing. But this was the one that rose to the top and and focused and then got ordered and became, you know, an international hit. All you need is one for your legacy. I know. But the problem was, is I came out, that was my, my first six (laughs) months of the networks to talk about like, You know, you don't want to do waiting for your next, uh, you don't want to do great right away (laughs) because then they're like waiting for you to do it again. But I, I did, I eventually next came along. Oh, wow. That was you. Yeah. It was, um, uh, so it was Howard Schultz and Jackie Pittman. Oh, that's right. I was like, we've talked about this in the podcast before with Jackie, right? And Howard, the late Howard Schultz from Lighthearted. Amazing, amazing. Everyone man. loved him. Yeah. Fantastic. It was really lucky to work with him. Treated everybody like that didn't matter if you were the PA or the the president of the company. And but, if you want to hear the origin story of Next, listen to my Jackie Bittman podcast. Yes. Yeah, it was her idea. She's she's fantastic. Love her. Yeah. She's another just love bug. Um, so that's amazing. So what made you go to E then? Were you being courted by Lisa Berger? I left and went, did a short stint at a production company. Oh, really? I did. I went to, um, RDF for a hot second. Really? Um, yeah. How hot was the second? It was a hot second. Like six months? It was like. Shorter? (laughs) It was like six months. Wow. I love those guys. I love, like, it was, you know, uh, Carrie Wolf, who's still with Chris Cole and, you know, and, and now at Kinetic. Um, it just wasn't wasn't a good fit in overall. Like it was like, I went from like a strong infrastructure to being like this, you know, company opening its doors and everyone at the company had come from another place. Got it. So nobody knew each other. Everyone had different. Carrie used to be an agent. I used to be a network buyer. Um, you know, the legal person was the, like everyone, you know, didn't have like necessarily the skill set in place for what they were going to end up doing. And that I just need, you know, I need a structure behind. So I ended up going to new line. 
Ah. Um, and then New Line, like six months after that, New Line folded into Warner, right. Warner, Warner Brothers. So it was Warner Horizon. And I had met with um, the Warner Horizon folk about possibly going over there, but I'd already gotten the e-job. This is one of the great stories. I had signed a contract and I thought they'd give me pennies on my dollars for my new line contract. And as people are getting laid off and it's a horrible time, um, I kind of was waiting to find out what they were going to do so I can go start the e-job. And they pull you into you know, a meeting with an HR person and there's a notebook and the notebook says, all right, this is how much we're going to pay you over X amount of time. And I'm like, unless I get another job. Right. And they're like, no, we're just, this is how much. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, so hypo- these stories go, hypoth- it never happens to me. <laughs> I go, hypothetically, hypothetically, let's say, I don't know, get a job in tomorrow. next week with, <laughs> yeah, maybe tomorrow with E you're still going to pay me this amount. And they're like, well, there's one, oh, there's one caveat. You can't go work at a Warner brother company. They um, weren't. Or turn down a job at a Warner's company. So though, you know, Warner brothers, Warner horizon was looking at our development and looking at the staff and I met with them. Uh, my agent at the time said, don't let her, don't, don't think about hiring her and she's going to go to a buyer and she will buy a show from you. So you were at new line for a minute and got like a payout basically for being there for a minute. Yes. While you were about to take a job at E and get paid at E. Yes. I hate you. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> the best time of your life. It was amazing. How long was the payout for? I mean, I think I had signed a, uh, a two year deal. So mm. I think I got paid for a full year and a half and I, and they had also did, you know, your car payments. Oh my God. And I kept, I stayed on, I stayed on their health insurance instead of going on ease insurance. <laughs> That's amazing. It was fantastic. Oh, this is cause they had to lay everybody off because they were, they were, they folding. merged. Right. Yeah. So they merged new line into Warner brothers right. and laid off about, I mean, you know, not, it wasn't a great situation for most involved, but they yeah. laid off like 300 or 400 people and then only brought, only brought like only kept like 50 that m- moved into the Warner brothers infrastructure. Wow. So did you know, so Lisa, was Lisa your old boss at MTV? No, Lisa was my old boss at E. Um, no, no, I know. Oh, I thought, cause I know she was at MTV. That's how I thought you ended up at E. No, but we all, I mean, we all knew of each other, oh, I gather, okay. but I wasn't, I wasn't there during her, um, her amount of time. Got it. And did you replace Jenny? I replaced Jenny Daly. That's so funny. Um, and Jenny left and I literally like moved in and Domla Dogan was there. Yeah, I love Domla. Um, and I knew Domla from VH1. Okay, so you then came on as VP of development. And then how long were you at E? A while, right? I was at E um, two years. Oh, okay. I thought it was longer. I think it was two years, maybe three. Okay. And what was your favorite thing you did? Well, the thing about the thing about E was at the time is... So it was during the Kardashian craze. Right. And they only, at that time, were only programming one night. Right. So no real estate. No, not a lot of real estate. And so um, ultimately, you know, everyone had like something that, you know, so Leela was um, a Chelsea Handler. Right. And, you know, Jason was the Kardashians and had uh, the night. Soup. Yep. (laughs) And, and, um, and I remember the way you guys developed because it made me mental was like you'd order five things and then have to pick one. So it's like you were competing against our, our five things that you guys loved. Like it was, it was just, it was just, it was a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Because the, the bottom line is, is that was the time when everyone had to figure out if they were going HD and, oh really? Like some people were still at we're SD. Ourselves. So yeah. So it was HD and or expanding programming. Um, but I did have one big swing there that kills me to the day. Ooh, um, yes. I got submitted a, uh, a sizzle reel 
based on the Jersey Shore. Oh. It's it's still on YouTube actually. The, so it's it wasn't Jersey Shore. It no. was after Jersey it Shore. It was two assistants at WMA, um, Michael Palladino and uh, I'm gonna forget the other guy. other Italian guy. No, no, Michael Palladino and David uh, Dave's. I they're both producers are still out there doing it. Okay. Um, and they shot on one week and they went out to the Jersey Shore and they just shot this. Real of people drinking and partying. But was this before Jersey yes. Shore? Okay. It was before Jersey oh, Shore. Boy. I feel like you may have told me this story way back. This is like my heartbreaker V. So they send me, send me this thing and I'm like, I, I have, we have to do this. I, you know, right. You and, saw it. And, um, I think at the time, you know, uh, Lisa Berger was kind of like, well, why do we do this? And I'm like, it's a spoof of Malibu in the Hamptons. It's nice. like, you know, perfect. And so I had, I wasn't sure she was going to buy that. So I had, um, I feel like it was Aaron Kaplan was the agent at the time who I, you know, who's now a, a big scripted television producer, yeah. but I can't, I can't Capital remember exactly. Entertainment or, yeah, but yeah. I can't remember if it was him or who it was, but I said, send it to Ted Harbor, go over my head, go, you know, just weave it around and somehow get it into Ted's because we'd have a weekly meeting with Ted. Right. And Ted plays it and goes, why do we do the show? And I go to spoof of the Hamptons and Malibu and he goes, all right, let's do a backdoor pilot special. Oh, Wow. And I was like, great. And I was like, so excited. And I was working with this producer. Was Lisa pissed? No, because it didn't, it didn't feel manipulative. It was just like, it was done she was kind of, you know, hadn't made a decision. So I said, you know, feel free to bring it up the ladder. Cause people sometimes do that when they're not getting their answers quick enough. And it wasn't, it was like what, you know, someone else, and, and it came in through me. So it coming around through the agency to Ted just seemed like natural. It didn't seem like we were plotting. And so it got ordered as a backdoor pilot special. And at the same time, um, MTV had tried to buy it um, and they were developing their Jersey Shore. So I would, I knew Sally Ann and we would go back and forth. Like, where are you on yours? What's going on with yours? Like that kind of thing. Oh, wow. And I remember when we were working on the creative and we got our group of friends and the producers came back to me and they're like, okay. And then on this date, they're going to go to the tanning salon. I'm like, that makes no sense. Like, is that you guys creating it or like organically what happens? Or like, no, that's GTA. exactly what is it? What was the thing? Well, there, Sally Ann, G Jim Tan Laundry, GTL. Right, GTL. Um, okay, wait, hold on. So then there's another, the other side of that story is that didn't Jersey Shore go to VH1 first and then MTV took it? There's a story there too. Yeah, there's a backstory there yeah. where it was developed for one and it was the other, but we, exactly. we literally were running and gunning and trying. Oh and God. so did yours make it on air? Well, for, for a minute, everything internal, like any offsites and this, that, it was right. like Ed Hardy socks and Red Bull <laughs> and like everybody was into it and totally feeling it. Yeah. And then we went to one of those screenings that you describe where it's like, you buy seven things and then, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and one of them was, I think Courtney and Chloe took take Manhattan or take Miami. And we got, I think we got the Jersey, my, my thumb, they was called Jersey shore unleashed. Apparently we weren't allowed to call it Jersey shore according to the, and, the clearance people there. Okay. Fail. But, um, so we were neck and neck and it's like, you know, how many Kardashian shows, if you're well, doing one, like how many Kardashian shows are you going to do? If a you lot. Have, yeah. <laughs> Turns out a lot. So th they weren't going to air it. Um, and I, wrote a Jerry Maguire missive to oh Ted Harbert. Stop. I was having ankle surgery and I said, I, in case I passed on the <gasps> table. No. Do you still have this? Yeah. We should post it on Facebook. I'll, I'll find it. That's I'll find amazing. it. I, I, I definitely saved it. Okay. Um, this I, was you your know, last, so, this was the hill you were going to die on. You know, um, yeah. And, and it was like, <laughs> Jersey Shore Unleashed. This is the other thing that got me about this. Cause they were like, well, there's so much drinking and Comcast is a conservative company. Right. There's so much drinking and partying. And I'm like, but wait a minute. Like you just had 
Uncle Hef and his I mean lovely ladies living in a house, and you don't show anything kind of having fun, right? But they don't show like the sleeping arrangements, so it's like you know, it's a brothel. It's a nice brothel. Yeah, it's a brothel. (laughs) It's like you're telling me a bunch of single people drinking and partying is like the hypocrisy is kind of amazing. It was unbelievable. So they agreed to air it as a uh, air it as a airable backdoor pilot special, and I'm like, those just in most cases die on the vine with no support from right promotion 100%. or anything else. Right. Um, and, and we actually did okay, but at that point, so had Jersey shore already aired by the time your pilot aired? I don't think they had aired yet, but, but then once they started the airing and I yeah. think, um, I had left E at some point and I would forward Ted Harbert the ratings. <laughs> That's awesome. Did he write back? Yeah, he'd write back. He was always a good guy. I was never yeah. writing like I was mad. I'm yeah, like, like oh, it could have been. Yeah. And he's like, I Were feel your, your character's pain. better. I mean, just being honest. Um, I think I think at the time I thought we had one or two that were better, but then their SA whole blew cast, it out of the water. You, yeah, you just you can't, can't compete with that. Yeah, you can't. Like when I was I remember like at first not <laughs> sure what like, to make of Snooky. I was like, I'll raise you a Snooky. Yeah. She had a, she had a, a Wow. But we were rushing to get it done so much that I remember we were shooting in somehow the coldest like it was September. Yeah. And it was like the coldest September in history and like we literally were shooting outside and we're like or we were we wanted to get them outside and yeah. we were like open bar outside. <laughs> for anyone who takes off any guy that takes off his shirts, we were trying to make it look like it was still warm. That's hilarious. Did they do it? Yeah. For yeah, free for alcohol. alcohol. Right. Come okay. On. Why am I even asking? But by the way, it doesn't even just go to reality TV talent that goes to reality. Right. TV, just period. TV executives. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, that's called real screen. Mm-hmm. Um, so wait, important question as a, someone married to someone from the Jersey shore, what town did you guys shoot in? Oh my God. You're going to ask me to remember. I can't. Yeah. I don't remember. Was it anywhere near Point Pleasant? It wasn't Point Pleasant where Jersey Shore was? It was near Point Pleasant. Okay. I mean, there was some, so there was, was near that boardwalk. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. Okay. Interesting. It wasn't Wildwood, was it? No. Okay. All right. Well, we'll have to go research that. I'll pull that up And for send you. me the Ted missive. Okay. So you were leaving E at that point and that's when you went to Fishbowl, right? Yep. And then you were the, the head of the whole thing. So Fishbowl was Vindabono's company who was famous first doing America's Most Funniest Videos, right? Yeah, Vin, so Vin um, had great success with America's Funniest Videos and his story behind that, just trying to do this clip show and he didn't have clips. He just went and pitched it and then he was like, oh, oh shit, I'm going to get the clips. Yeah, and he really was, if you look at what that show is, Pioneer. He, was, he was YouTube. Totally. He could have been YouTube. And, and and by the way, fantastic show that gets picked up and, and, and but he was known for one thing. So he started this, other company, I think, to try to do um, some other stuff. And I came in and there was a scripted department and I didn't run it um, in the beginning, um, just towards the end of, uh, well, towards I towards the end of my run, but I took yeah. it over um, in the end and had a great team. Um, yeah. Kelly Nash, right? Yeah, Kelly Nash is now at AMC. Super proud. Yeah. And who else was like, there was a few Emily others. Mayer. Yeah. Uh, my assistant slash coordinator is a, a young, smart guy named Dane Mork. And Dane has gone on to do, um, he did something for, I think it was Animal Planet recently, a series that he executive produced. Wow. And then he was also um, one of the, uh, I mean, he basically came up with the, you know, story and and pushed it in the direction of um, All-American, CW's All-American with Greg Berlanti. And, oh, wow. But he, he doesn't get enough, get enough credit for it. But yeah, he... He was, he played football in Palos Verde and and met Spencer, the kid he was based on. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. And, and then, you know, Emily's gone on to do a bunch of stuff. She was, um, what's the British company? Three. 
three ball. No. I mean, no, um, all three. All three. <laughs> like me, three. <laughs> Take up the number three. three. Emily went over yeah. to all three. And, Got it. Um, and um, a great guy named Winston Cutchall who was like MacGyver of everything. And really? And he, yeah, yeah, you guys did a bunch. I remember you did a Bravo show. You did Animal Planet show, right? We did. Um, we did the uh, Shack with True TV. Right. We I, did, those um, pictures of you and Shaq are hilarious too. Someone asked me. My brother asked me to send me a, send him a picture last night of me with Shaq, and I sent him the selfie where you can't. That's it's like so you see me, but you just see Shaq's that's, torso. Um, wait. So how how tall are you? Five two. And how tall is Shaq? Like mega taller, like, like seven something. Yeah, that it is the funniest. I thing. have a series of photos of craft <laughs> service items next to his sneakers. <laughs> I feel like I remember seeing those. Yeah, like you, I mean, like a That's donut amazing. next to a sneaker looks like a mini donut, <laughs> like all that type of stuff. That's amazing. Yeah, he was great. He was fantastic. Was that for True? That was for True. Yeah, um, we did. Um, uh, sold a bunch of stuff to Bravo, but the one that went to series. Um, was these two yeah. best friends? I watched it. Yeah, I watched anything on Bravo. Tone it up, uh, tone it up. Right. Yeah. Whatever happened to them? Did they like? Did that show give them a boost? I mean, they were doing well. They were when we okay. found them. I think the problem was is like they were just like lovable and fun and <laughs> there's sweet no conflict and, like, whatsoever. N- not a ton of conflict. Yeah, and you're and, like me. You like to watch those train wrecks. I do, but I also <laughs> loved them so much and and wanted you know wanted them and i think they were like a little aware of the cameras because it was different than what they normally right, do right. but that said they've gone on to, i mean they're thriving they've product lines that's and awesome. target and this are, and they that. Here? are they right here yeah manhattan beach oh wow yeah nice living the life yeah they're they did great i love it um and then we did um we sold stuff to oxygen right before oxygen switched over to complete crime battle mm-hmm. of the battle of the ex-besties oh, that's fine um yeah and but that and then we did um insane pools yeah, two seasons of that. That was with Danny Passman. Um, yeah, I brought him on to do like you know casting development, and you know Animal Planet wanted some sort of build shows, and he found uh, found Lucas Lagoons. So we did that. We shot the pilot in the middle of summer in Florida. Oh my I made god! Him, I made him come down, and the homeowner, yeah, the homeowner like locked us out of the house, like so you'd be drinking water to try staying hydrated. And there was also a gator in the pond that he was waiting for animal control to come <laughs> oh get. God. So it's like hashtag Florida. Yeah. It was like, well, this is, this, this is a lot. Is, I'm, in, I'm in Florida. Oh my. Um, so you had a good run. And then, so I want to talk about ever since you've been independent. Cause I think when we talked about having you on, I thought, you know, haven't really interviewed. I mean, I'm sure there's been one or two, but like real sort of like indie producers. And I was doing my own thing up until recently. Um, and it's like incredibly fun and gratifying and gives you a lot of freedom, but there's also a lot of really hard stuff about it. So let's talk about the hard stuff and then let's talk about the new show. Well, I think the hard stuff is, is that you, you know, like I've been very lucky with my path and like the places yeah. I've landed and the people. Well, not are, lucky. I mean, yes, lucky, but also Lucky that, that you can't create the environments. Like I've had great people like the Drews and the Domlas and yeah. Jason and, you know, all these amazing people that I've been lucky enough to work with. I mean, I worked hard to get everywhere I got. Um, so, so I'm not saying right, that. It's not like it was handed to you. No. And when I, except I, for that new line, dude, that was fucking handed to you. Was fucking hand- <laughs> and by the way, it was like, don't even, I, get like that a lottery ticket. I can't even, I just think about it now. And it's just like <laughs> a lottery like- ticket. Well, people said, what did you do with the money? And I'm like, I saved it. And someone's like, you have to do something. And I'm like, right. well, I bought a house in Kentucky with my brother. Right. I remember you told me that. And, then, and I was like, Kentucky. And then I'll say this. Corey Abraham was like, there's must be something that you want. Like there's something that you had. And I'm like, well, there's this watch that's, you know, but I, she's like, you have to go Monday and get the watch. Did like, you buy the watch? Yeah. Do you wear it? Yeah. 
Oh, what kind is it? I don't know anything about it's watches. A, it's a Rolex Milgauss. Blah, blah, blah. Sounds blah. fancy. I haven't worn a watch in over 20 years. It's it's the watch that Corey Abraham had yet. And, and, uh, so she should have bought it for you, Corey. Uh, seriously. Come on. <laughs> um, but she, but that, that, but you know, but that pay, yeah, that's a once that that's right. Well, good for you. Oh yeah. It's fantastic. I mean, and if I, you ever have to sell that watch, <laughs> you, that'll bring it, you some money. That exactly. You so, so going independent, I've been at Fishbowl for five years and rose oh, the ranks wow. there and was running it. And and the thing in, that I realized in becoming like the president of a company with, you know, all these employees is like, you get taken away from what you love doing. You get yeah. taken away from the, the creative aspects of it on some level. If, if the, if the structure is not exactly right. And I, and that's where I felt towards the, towards the end of it. I had a great time. I enjoyed everybody I worked with, but like I found that I was like putting out a lot of fires and unless you have an in-house EP for these $75,000, sizzles, you then you're you. out there doing it and you're not developing anything. And that, that needs to be, there needs to be a structure for that. And I just don't think, you know, to me, it was either fold it, you know, into Vindabona or grow it in a, in a bigger way. And so I just felt like it was time for a change. So I, I had it in the back of my head for X amount of months that I was just going to try and see if I could shake it off, you know, who knew middle age, whatever it was. Right. And I just, I remember you took a break. Well, I sent a, I sent a, you know, a, a Jerry Maguire missive that I was, you know, going to go take a break and yeah. figure out what I was going to do. But I just really, I just wanted, I just wanted a minute. I never, I've never not worked since yeah. I was 19 or 18, like in internships in this business. Like I was yeah. interning, going to school. Then I landed into a job and a piece of advice my grandfather gave me at some point was never leave a job without having another job lined up. But I was, I was just, you were burnt out. Yeah, I was burnt out. Like I literally remember going to try to speak to them about leaving. And the only time that Vin had available before going off, cause on the summer breaks when AFE was down was the day that I'd planned a mammogram that I'd pushed off for two years already. Oh my God. And I, and, and my fiance said to her credit, she's like, what are you waiting for? You know what you want to say here. Like, yeah, you know. it's so, always hard though. Yeah. And it was, and it was, you know, I love those guys and I'm grateful, but so I did, I left and I didn't think I was going to do anything for a minute. And then I had like all this stuff, like right, I had all like the, I had you know, ideas and things ideas I or, you know, um, a lot of times, you know, I wanted 360 rights on everything. So the scripted rights, if it was a great character and this, then the other. So there were some of those straggler ideas that were, that were lurking around. So I, I took one of them and, um, said she was going to be a backdoor pilot special for, um, she, and, and ultimately did air, but, um, about a bell bonds woman, um, who, you know, came from domestic abuse and rose up the ranks to be one of the biggest bell, you know, bell bonds women in the East coast. And I took her life rights and set that up as a possible scripted thing. Um, the deal fell apart at some point when she, you know, it was anti-bail reform and pro-Trump and it was just but oh, um, a, zealot, wow. a zealot of sort. So that fell apart. But um, then I had, an, you know, this other piece of talent and so I shopped it around and Amazon bought that. And then I had a con an original idea um, and, you know, and did pages on it and MTV bought it. And what happened there is like, as I started selling stuff, I realized that, well, maybe I need an infrastructure because like, it's me. <laughs> And like, what, you know, like I'm walking around selling and I had this company, but it wasn't. So I did a first look deal with, um, at the time, which was T group, um, Jenny Daly's company. Yeah, Jenny Daly's company and was plugging in those productions. Yeah. But, um, I also had like a sizzle that I paid for and cut on the side that was carved out. And that was the one that we'll eventually right. talk about. I mean, about. I remember you telling me like three years ago about that. So this is right. It'll I mean, be, it'll be three years this summer that I reached out to John Henry, 
who is our talent on the show, our host. And by the way, this again shows how long it can take, but if you really care about it and make it happen, it happens. Yeah, if you stick with it. it was. It, so it what was, was the genesis of the idea? The show so, is called Hustle and it's going to be, it's airing now on Vice. Yep, it'll premiere, it's premiering on Viceland. Um, it'll be on Sunday nights at nine o'clock. And you um, can see it on demand too. Yep, on demand, Amazon. Um, oh, good. Uh, through their website as well. Oh, great. Um, so ultimately, um, my grandfather went came to this country with nothing and he went through Ellis Island and on his 80th birthday, they recorded a tape of him recounting his experience of coming to America. And, and this is again, 2016 where the genesis of the idea is coming from. And, um, I knew Derek Evans from when we worked at spyglass together and Derek is, um, Marcus Samuelson's partner, uh, Marco Samuelson, the chef. And so we were talking a lot about a, a modern day, how to make it in America and started developing from there. And, um, listening to my grandfather's tape at the same, you know, at the same point and, and hearing how, you know, it was a hard journey and, you know, his one brother would come over and then the other brother would pay to have another brother come over and then they yeah. work at the Durante car factory and they would pay to have, an, you know, another brother come over and they all ended up, you know, and he talked about his experience on the boat coming to America. He grew up in a small town uh, outside of Liverpool. Oh, really? Uh-huh. And he Beatles. came over. Yeah, I don't. You know, I didn't get you don't usually him. with the Jews. It's like Russia or Poland or Hungary. No, he's outside, Liverpool. outside of Liverpool. And he tells a story on the tape that's in the Ellis Island archives of when the boat, um, you know, when the Statue of Liberty was in sight. That he it was the first time the whole journey. He was scared because the boat started to tip because everyone ran over the windows to see the Statue of Liberty. Oh, and to make me cry. Yeah, <laughs> and and it's, it's emotional to think about it. And so he he came here and they said, well, what was it like coming to America during the Great Depression? And he's like, Great Depression. He's like, you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> see where we came from, kind <laughs> of thing. This is prosperity. And he worked his ass off. And he, you know, he literally he he talks about how he he tried roofing and he hated it because it was dirty and he would have to stay in another town in this hotel and and he would retube tires and he and one of his brothers opened a gas station and but it wasn't enough money for the two of them so he saved up money and bought his own gas station and then he went into the world of wholesale tires and he, and he you know, did really well. And for all intents and purposes, my grandfather retired in his, I think, mid to late fifties is a very successful, wealthy businessman who didn't have a pot to piss in when he came here. American dream. And he worked hard and was one of the best people that I've ever known Aww. and treated everybody, you know, and, and, and just really set the tone for how I wanted to be in my life. And sometimes I succeed and sometimes I fail, but I do the best I can. And so that, that's kind of how the genesis of the show came. Like, you know, people who have a dream, it's, you know, your dream to have your own business and, and whatever that business is, wherever your passion is. And so that's kind of where, where you're a Shark started. Tank fan too. I became a Shark Tank fan in the last like few years, not right from the start. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. I, like, I know. Same. And then you can't stop. Now it's no, like, now I, I could it. watch it 24 hours a day for the rest of my life. I love it. And I'm pissed when it's a rerun and it's an episode I've seen. I mean, and I oh, even, I even good for me though. I have no memory. So I'm like, Oh, I know I've seen this, but I don't remember anything. So I'll just keep watching. I remember. And I actually like, usually I get pissed cause I need everything <laughs> to stay the same. But like when they brought in the new hosts, I'm like, yeah, All right, I can work with this. I don't mind it. They, they never tweak the format too much. They always stick to the, like, as long as Mark's there, I'm good. Yeah. So then we'd so, all pick Mark. You yeah, uh, for the record over and over. Yeah. Okay. So what made you, so Derek, so then why did you think of him for this? Well, Derek and I were friends and he happened to be working for Marcus and Marcus's backstory is, you know, Marcus uh, was adopted. Yeah. So Marcus Somal is he Ethiopian. Ethiopian. Yeah. And, and Marcus also, you know, brought his restaurant into Harlem in a time when no one was looking at Harlem. Yeah. Um, 
but he wanted to revitalize, you know, be a part of that, um, of bringing, bringing life back to Harlem in a, in a significant way. So that's how th- those pieces started. Um, and how did the Alicia Keys part happen? Well, in my mind, you know, Alicia is so authentic and so who she, you know, who she says she is and, and, um, her mother lives in Harlem and she recorded her first album there. And again, when you're talking about it people, was all New York stories that you were telling too for the season. Yeah, yeah. It's all New York based. Um, originally it was called uh, concrete jungle Harlem. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alicia's development person, uh, at the time was a woman named Susan Lewis, um, who's now over at stars. And I knew her from when she was at MTV films. And I tried to find something to work with Alicia on for years. And this just seemed right. And even though I knew it would be top heavy with two pieces of talent, right. it was two pieces of premium talent that, that, re- that related and plugged in in the right way. It wasn't like, let's just throw a lot of talent on this. And are they in the show at all? No, Alicia did the, um, Alicia did the VO for the sizzle. When she saw the tape, she really liked it. And I literally went with like a device and a mic. It was pretty calibrated because I don't know how to do this. I love it. And went to her trailer at The Voice. And I remember she keeps her trailer so hot because of her vocal cords. And I just remember like I'm (laughs) schmitzing all over the place. Um, But she did, she did the record. Um, There was, we, they were both open to appearing if it made sense, but we didn't, again, it was one of those things where like, this show is pretty organic. There's no interviews like ROTF, like it pretty much is what it is. Verite the whole time. Yeah. And it's, and it's beautifully shot. Like I got to hand it to. And then did you go in with John Henry as your focal point? Was he always the way in? So I, I brought John Henry up to Derek and they they're like, oh yeah, I know that guy. Like Derek's like, he's always hanging around the neighborhood and the red rooster and so and how did you, how did you heard about it? I was just researching. Okay. I mean, at the same time, I was just trying to figure out what the show, I didn't know yet what yeah. it was. And while I was researching it, I also found like the story of Madam CJ Walker, which is a fantastic story. And I literally am like, why is this, has this ever been a movie or anything? So I reached out to Alicia's person again. And I said, do you know the story? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, has it ever been told like in a real way? What is it? So Madam CJ Walker was, um, her parents were uh, slaves and she was like the first generation, uh, you know, born in freedom. Her parents died at a very young age and she had to go live with like her brothers who worked in a barber shop. And at that time there wasn't product made specifically for African-American hair. And so she was having a lot of itching and hair loss. And so she would try all these concoctions and like to make this product. And she made this, you know, uh, hair product that became like this big, she was the first, I think first self-made African-American female millionaire. Wow. And her story is fantastic. So yeah, I never I, heard that. So while I'm looking for figuring yeah. out what this thing, I write an email to her great, great granddaughter and I was a Friday and I feel like people don't read emails Friday after a certain time or it doesn't Agreed. stick with them. So I left it in my drafts box <laughs> and that Sunday in the New York times, it was announced that, um, Oh God, I'm gonna forget who it was. Um, Someone uh, had gotten the rights. Yeah, it was in the New York Times. That's crazy. Um, That's uh, Octavia cra- Octavia Spencer. <gasps> that is so and, weird. Had, had option the life rights for Madam C.J. Walker, and now LeBron James has come aboard, and I believe Netflix is doing it. Oh, that's amazing. But I've saved in my. In- but at least you knew that you weren't like you were already too late. So it wasn't like if you had sent it's, it that Friday, you would have gotten it. It still hurts. I was so passionate about that story. <laughs> right. But yes, they. But I left it in my inbox. It, that email wasn't. They, that was months of negotiation. Yeah, exactly. But yes, it still stings. But I also found. Uh, this incubator in Harlem called co-found Harlem hey. and John was running that and he got it at a time when people were like jobs, real jobs. Blah, blah, blah. Um, 
what he was doing is running this incubator for four businesses. They provide office space, mentorship, um, and, and, um, you know, basically it was like 25,000 or 50,000 in, in services to help these businesses succeed. And if they got seed money after that, all he asked is that they stay based in Harlem Love for, that. for um, four or five years to create real jobs in the community. So did he help you cast for the show? He, he, like once we figured out, so we originally pitched the show based around the incubator and you know, what happens with a lot of networks, the mandates are, we don't want to do art. We want to do closed ended. Right. So we beat out a closed ended version, which is, you know, finding one entrepreneur or entrepreneurs each episode. each episode and helping them overcome whatever it is stopping them right. from doing what they, like the profit, getting to that next of. level. Yeah. But not in the sense that he's investing right, his he's money. Fine. I think the thing is, is in most cases in life is that we have problems that, that we're facing and I could come in and look at your life and go, well, so much easier. Yeah. 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 And he, he's able to come in and it's take like a business a therapist. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time you think, you know what your problem is. Well, my problem is X, Y, and Z. And he's like, that's not exactly your problem because if you're saying your problem is, is that you're the only employee and you're spending your time boxing the jam or doing this, that's not sales and sales is money and money gives you the freedom to do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So how, what is the format now? Is it still close ended? It's now it's close ended. I mean, okay. we kind of, uh, while we were pitching it realized we kind of, while we were pitching it realized that we had to be flexible with it. So we pitched the close ended simultaneously. Well, this, the show sounds amazing. I'm so excited. So what are the, so when you said first seasons in New York, are we talking already about the second season? Um, well, I don't, I don't know about that. I mean, I am, but, um, so the, the, just the key thing on that thing is yes, close ended. And then we follow up with them after the fact to see what happened. And not all of them are success stories. I mean, the, the this is true to what it is, yeah. or it might be a small victory that they're going to be able to stay open another month. Um, and there's also some big victories. So I'm like, really oh, that's amazing awesome. that we were like, what? Oh my God. Um, but so, um, we also were lucky enough to get the show made because of, um, Cadillac. I saw that. I was like, Ooh, fancy sponsor, Beth. Yeah. They were great partners to have in it. It was seamless because John, when you say you got it made because of them, because they kicked in budget. I, I think the model for every network is, is changing. So yeah. where you can get someone who's going to help promote the show and help put dollars into the production in some capacity, right. that helps. That's amazing. So going back to sort of the indie producer of it all. So what is, what's the hardest part? I think the, the hardest part is it's lonely. Yeah. <laughs> it is like, you know, it's, it's it great is. when you can bounce ideas off of people and you can, um, you know, you have that, you know, cause it feels like sometimes you're like, when you can't come up with anything that you're alone and you're out of the business and you know, all that type of stuff. Um, and to me, it's like, I didn't walk away from fishbowl going, I'm going to start my own company. Right. <laughs> I'm going to go to me. It was, you know, I was passionate about this show right. and why I'd put all the elbow grease and all the blood, sweat and tears into it. And I got Alicia and I got Marcus and I paid for the sizzle and it, you know, and she did the VO and I'm, I'm even there with the mic recording the VO. Why am I giving part of that away to somebody? So yeah. I held firm and, uh, you know, God bless David Sherman for standing behind me. Cause I said, I want to run this show through my company. Good for you. And I was able to do that. So it's, you know, it's before when you're a plug and play and you have an EIC and you have, you know, head of production and you have all these people who, you know, when, when it's you, you're doing everything. And I was, I was like, I'm going to fuck this up. So uh, this is, I can't, I don't even, do they Did have, you actually physically show run it too? No. Okay. You I'm not, I listen, I know that I'm, that's I'm, 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 you know, I'm strong willed and I know that there's a lot that I can do. And, and I learned a lot in this 
this production that made me realize I can do a hell of a lot more than I ever thought I could do. Aww. But I also think you have to know where your strengths and weaknesses lie. And I have a great showrunner, Mark Perez, who's also a fantastic director. The show looks, looks amazing. Yeah. Like it's visually like I'm blown away by how little money we had and what we were able to do with it. It's awesome. But, but I do think it's, you know, going and going on from here, you know, I optioned um, John Henry's life rights. His backstory is even better. And the world that he lives in in finance is fantastic. And we've set it up with a big studio and a, a big piece of talent, A-list talent as an executive producer. That's so exciting. Part of it for me is like, okay, this is exciting. I had this one project, but how do I squeeze? Yeah. How do you get everything out of it? And then as I'm developing new stuff now, I'm realizing this is a great idea, but might not be my wheelhouse. So who can I partner up with? And it can run. Well, that's the thing. It does give you that freedom. Yeah, I mean, the, I don't think that, again, I'm not trying to build towards a <laughs> bringing on 20 employees yeah. and doing that. I just, this one, it made sense. I knew the world. I knew the space. I, you know, again, was passionate about it. Um, but not everything is, you know, not everyone's like that. So I'm developing now and and trying to figure out, you know, what those next moves look like and what the next projects are. I feel like you, like you have a movie in you, like whatever that's going to look like. Like, I feel like that is... Beth's opus before Beth goes off into the Venice sunset. Listen, I'm tr I'm trying every which angle. So, you know, that's, that's the kicker to me. I'm thinking is a documentary next. Mm -hmm. And what does that look like? I'm working um, on a project with a, a guy named Angus wall. Angus won the Oscar for editing the girl with the dragon tattoo and social network. Um, and then he won an Emmy for uh, the wow. 13th with Ava DuVernay and won an Oscar for best documentary last year. He calls it one quarter because he came in, you know, the project towards the end. Oh, okay. We're working on something together. Um, and, and they've been fantastic to work with and they do a lot of, you know, a lot of features and, and stuff like that. So we're talking about a project that we have that we're going out with now and then something that we're developing, um, beyond that, hopefully. And that's awesome. yeah, and that's been good. And then the other collaboration on the scripted side. So I think to me, I, you know, being indie, there's, you learn that you know how to do it all. Like you, you, you have no other choice. Well, and so much I think of is, is when you don't know is finding the people who do know and having that capacity to network. And luckily, you know, you've had a long enough career to have those people along the way who, you know, even if they're not the person, they know the person. So that, that's a gift. That's well, that's also the key thing is just, again, knowing like, you can't do it all. There's no way that you can. So like, who are the people that can and let them do their jobs, get out of their way. Yeah. And, and this experience is kind of like, yeah, I know how to do a lot more than I thought I did. I was like, oh, I'm just, I'm Beth. I'm an executive. <laughs> I have ideas. Uh, you know, people like me sometimes. Uh. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, I was able to just pull it off with the first production through my own company. Um, and, and I think and, and pull it off in a way that makes me proud. Like I, I know when I've made some crappy TV, I've made some crappy TV. We all have. Yes. No, but it's true. this one, this one is I'm proud of on so many levels and for so many reasons. Exactly. And the cool thing is, is that like you kept your head down, you did it. And then all of a sudden it's in the world. And that's why, like when you made that announcement, everyone was going mental on Facebook because everyone is so freaking proud of you because they knew what it, you know, even if we don't know the details of everything, we know what it takes to get a series on the air. Then you take it from somebody who's done it on their own without the big infrastructure and money behind them to do it. You get through it and you do it. And then you start looking around for the next one and it's a little yeah. masochistic, but uh, you know, let's, uh, let's it, keep going. And by the way, that's exactly, if you ever go through it, this is exactly like childbirth. You actually just brought up the, the metaphor full circle because when you're done, you're like, I will never 
do that again. And then, yeah, I mean, I've already, I'm already trying to make my next doc. Like I, it's, it's, I can't you, if it's in you, it's like, but like you said, it doesn't matter what form it takes. Cause I have some scripted stuff on the side too. Like whatever it is, if you have those stories that you need to tell, you just have to tell them. And, and, and all bets are off on how you tell them again. It's like, yeah. I'm going to hustle around. And that's, what's so interesting about doing this show at this time is he's, coaching these entrepreneurs and these young business owners. And I'm facing some of the stuff that he's talking about, but so meta it's very, you know, you're just hustling around and trying to hold it all together and get it done. And then you're going to go, you know, I'm never going to do that again. That was nuts. What was I thinking? You know, living in New York in winter, like, you know, cut to in a van, season two, lugging lugging a backpack in a van with like six dudes and camera gear. What am I eating? Like pretzels and like, uh, yeah, like a, a Capri Sun. I'm like, what the fuck happened to me? But you can get it done and you just got to stick at it and keep hustling. And that's exactly what you're doing with your docs. It's what I'm yeah. doing with content that I find. If I, if I know that I'm not the right person, I'm going to partner up with somebody. I have no ego about it anymore. Totally. I just want to get things done. And that's what the show is. I just want to get it done. Yeah. I want it to look good. I want it, you know, and I'm, I, I can't wait till it's done because literally I came home after production and I would like lay in bed and I would like, <laughs> be like, I think I have a fever, but I don't feel sick. And my fiance would be like, you're exhausted. Yeah. You just are spent. There's almost some, only so much like physical work all day long and then travel one person can take. Oh yeah. But I'm super proud of you. Everybody watch Hustle on Viceland. You can watch it on Amazon. You can watch it online. You can watch it on your DVR and your cable and all that good stuff. I'm super psyched for you, Beth, for more adventures to come. Thanks so much. Thanks.